Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as award-winning writer, speaker, appearance activist, cook, disability advocate, music lover, ichthyosis, opinions my own. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Carly Findlay. Hello, Steve. How are you? I am extremely well, and I'm very pleased to be talking with you, Carly. Thank you. Me too. Tell me, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Carly. That's what I say, generally. Is that where it stops? Oh, sometimes if people ask me what I do, I generally say I'm a writer. Um, Even though that's not my day job, I say I'm a writer because I don't often disclose my day job. Is that what you would, I don't know if prefer is the right way to say it, but is that, is that what you would want your day job to be? Uh, if it paid more, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I like having a side project and, and a, a day job. It's good. It allows me to, you know, do stuff for society and get paid a decent wage and then also have time to do my own thing on the side. So, yeah, sometimes I've really wanted to be a writer, like give give up the public service world and, and do that. Mm-hmm. But I know that, um, you know, realistically I couldn't do all the things that I do if I didn't have a day job. So, yeah. What has prompted the desire to be a writer? Mm, I've always loved writing from when I was mm-hmm. a kid. Um, I used to write stories when I was, you know, in primary school. Um, my mum used to, and my dad actually, they used to tell me, you know, a lot of stories. We used to make up stories together, mm-hmm. particularly when I was having medical treatment or in hospital. So that was a nice thing to do with them when I was little. And I always was in, interested in English when I was at primary school and high school, mm-hmm. um, always you know, uh, wanting to learn about authors and and their writing and also pursue my own writing. And then I always wanted to be a journalist when I was probably from when I was about year nine at school and I lived in the country. I grew up in Albury and there was no journalism courses there. So I had to go to university to do a very boring course and then, which I'm really glad I did actually, because I made some really good friends and it gave me some really good foundations, I guess. And it got me a, a job, which was good. I got a graduate position after I finished university in the government. And actually, I've been there 13 years today in the government, uh, my first job after uni. And um, and then when I finally, when I did move to Melbourne, um, I gave it a year after the graduate program and I went to study journalism which made me not want to be a journalist, but I'm really glad that I I did that because it gave me a lot of knowledge about writing and pitching and then I've just been, yeah, making my own media, I guess. You, you mentioned that you're now making media of your own. Yep. Yeah, so I've been blogging for a very long time, on and off since 2001, so when I was around 18 um, mm-hmm. I or 19, I think. And so I blogged um, on a Diaryland blog back then just to, I don't know, to write. And I guess I was very lonely back then. I didn't have many real-life friends or maybe actually I did. Mm -hmm. When I was at university, I had more than when I was at school. But, you know, it was a really good way to reach out. The internet was just 
coming into fruition, I think, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and I met lots of people on there. So I blogged on Diaryland and then, and then on MySpace and I had one for uni and then I've really been blogging seriously since 2009. So just midway through my degree, through my master's. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's been amazing. I'm just so glad that I've really focused on it and yeah. And I've been, I, I've, sometimes I dabble in YouTube and as I said to you before, I'd like to do a podcast, not sure if I've got time, but I really like the idea of making my own media. What's taking up all your time, Carly? Hmm. Well, I have a full-time day job. Sure. And I also am planning for a wedding, which is happening in five weeks from today. Girlfriend, that is super awesome news. It's very exciting. And I write a lot. Um, I used to blog. I used to blog maybe every day or like batch write and then schedule mm-hmm. for every day, but now I've cut it down to twice a week. Um, I also do some writing for other websites. I write for Fairfax's Daily Life, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. And I... Um, yeah, I, I, and I guess because of my skin condition, as you mentioned before in my Twitter bio, ichthyosis, I have to rest and make sure that is maintained. And at the moment I haven't been very well. So I am recording this interview from bed. It's less mm, romantic too. than it seems. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does um, the skin condition affect you in a, in a daily situation? Well, I'm always red, so I always look sunburnt, and mm. I'm pretty scaly. Um, and I, the, the the skin the skin conditions are more than just cosmetic. I think it's quite easy for people to think that I've just been sunburnt or it's just a little bit of eczema, but it's much mm, more severe sure. than that. The skin affects you know, it's the biggest organ in the body. It affects all sorts of things in the body. It affects my temperature. So I'm often really cold or find it really hard to cool down in the summer. Um, it affects my metabolism, although not so much now. Since I turned 30, I can't eat as much as I used to, but I used to, I used to eat a lot and, um, remain pretty slim, but now not so much. Um, it also affects my, um, pain. So, um, mm-hmm. the, it gets really painful. It's very hard to describe pain, but it means that, um, you know, if I get a cut or if there's um, abrasion on the skin, it can get very sore underwater, you know, when I have a shower or something. Um, it can also um, get infected as well. So I have to be very careful about that. I was just at the hospital um, last week getting some new antibiotics because I've pretty much been sore since you know, the start of the year. So it's February now and I've been sore for six weeks, a bit over it. I haven't had a full full week of work either because I've been too sore to go every day. Dude, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. But it's all right. I'm not dead. I'm living with it. I can see, you know, hmm. I make humor. Oh, I hear that. <laughs> I can make humor about it and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> um, but I yeah, it's, it is hard and I don't, I don't think people really realize the severity of skin conditions, but I think the hardest bit is the social stuff, you know, like people just not not thinking before they say something. Yeah. They're always willing to judge and say that I'm sunburnt or, and that's pretty tiring. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> the perpetual conversation about, girl, you've been out in the sun too long. Oh, I know. Yeah, that would grow old. Oh, I know. And I, I get that people mean well, but I just, I don't want to be offered another cure or... Um, someone to pray for me or someone to mm. offer me a wet wipe on the train because my skin looks wet because I have to use Vaseline, mm. you see, or similar to Vaseline. And, um, you know, I get people asking me, 
if I need a wet wipe. A lady in, the, in an African restaurant um, recently asked me if I was wearing traditional African makeup and <laughs> I I laughed at her. Wow. Yeah. My, she thought I'd like blacked up for the situation. Um, and my, my mum is South African. So I, you know, I do have South African in me. And mm. I, I said to her, no, it's tradi- traditional African genetics though. And she didn't <laughs> quite know what to say. And then I told her she was being very rude. And she says, I don't think I'm being rude at all. I think your face looks fantastic. You've, you've obviously worn makeup to come out here tonight. And I said, I haven't. And my fiance, <laughs> Say was just sitting there with his head in his hands going, oh, my God. And then immediately I put it on Facebook because it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> does does your skin condition limit the ability to wear makeup? Yeah, I don't wear much at all. Um, I wear lipstick occasionally, but I haven't got any eyelashes, so I can't wear mascara. But I want, I want really long eyelashes for the wedding day, but I don't think the wedding day is a good day to try fake eyelashes, to be honest. I might end up with, <laughs> I might end up with some sort of um, reaction. But I don't – I went to a blogging thing a few years ago where um, a makeup brand was this, you know, um, getting us engaged with their stuff, and I had – um, eyebrows drawn on and I, mm. I don't have eyebrows either really and I was so excited because I never had eyebrows and my fiance said that he doesn't really think I look the same with them like he, he's so <laughs> used to seeing me without yes. eyebrows. <laughs> so wow. not not doing any makeup for the wedding and I was even thinking like I, I don't I don't want any photoshop with the photos but I really want them to use a flattering filter like Valencia but <laughs> but someone someone reminded me that that would be going against my my ethos of being real. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can Instagram some stuff, all right? And you're, you're not in control of some of the filters that happen then. No, but I, I understand the wedding photo stuff. You want it to be real, but not real. But I want it to be a such bit a flattering. crazy fun day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be fire engine red on the day. I hear that. <laughs> or, or full African makeup on the day. No, I, I certainly don't want full African makeup on the day, no. But, I mean, I just think that com- like comments like that, it's just I, people just don't think before they speak. Mm. <laughs> or they've and thought would, about it too much. Well, you would cop that a fair bit, right, not just from adults who have, you know, their sensibility bone disengaged. Yeah. But kids uh, either innocently or mm. being cruel yeah. You know, doing those sorts of things as yeah. well. It's really hard with kids because sometimes I invite them to ask questions. Other times I'll smile at them. And usually if I, you know, I can kind of placate them by having a conversation about what they're wearing or say, I was born like this, like you were born with your brown eyes. But then people can be like, I still feel quite disempowered when a child is cruel or even, mm. you know, innocently or intentionally. We are at the cinema the other day and, a kid was staring at me and I smiled and I said, hello. I gave it a few minutes and uh, he was still doing it. And then he started pointing and saying, mom, that girl's red. Anyway, so I said, excuse me, could you stop pointing and staring? That's really rude. And his mother went off at me telling me how I, how rude I was. <laughs> and the whole time we were at the shopping center uh, before the cinema, I kept on saying to Adam, my fiance, was I really rude then? Like, how could I improve that situation? And then I wrote about it and the story got picked up by a parenting website and um, I got told that I should toughen up and get thicker skin. Lady, I got <laughs> thick skin. 
<laughs> the irony of telling someone with ichthyosis that they need thicker skin. I know, I know, and I, but you just can't like you can't win. And I think that kind of stuff, being an online writer, when people aren't familiar with what it's like to be asked a question every every day about appearance, that that does annoy me a bit. Hmm. In the midst of all this, then, Carly, where do you where do you find your peace? Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to yours. So I think that that's a good Thank escapism. You. That's okay. I, mm. I think, you know, that, that makes me, um, learn about things. Um, I, I guess being a writer, online writer, and especially focusing on disability, you become a bit, um, it's not an echo chamber by any mean, because it's what I'm interested in. And it's a lot of diverse opinions, but you can become a bit, um, hardened or, <sighs> Um, anxious even from some of the content that you write and read. So I like to listen to podcasts because they are a lot of different people talking about their interests and talking about my interests and I find that a really good way to relax. Um, I also like to cook and I like to eat a lot Um, and I like to – Who doesn't? I know. I love food. I love it so much. I think about it – like sometimes Adam will be eating like breakfast and then he'll Mm -hmm. say, what do you want for dinner tonight? You haven't even finished your first meal of the day and you're thinking of the last meal of the day. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think that and just hanging out with people that get me, maybe I like that, finding peace there. I like to spend a lot of time on my own as well. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I like sort of like – Sundays where I don't have to do and do anything or don't have to see anyone. Hmm. Yeah. Are you naturally an extroverted or an introverted person? Mm, I think when people meet me, they think I'm an extrovert because I'm pretty friendly and talk, like um, sociable and talkative. But I think that I'm an introvert. I like I don't so much like going to parties and. Often I feel very alone, like when I was younger especially and I didn't have many friends and, and I, I just feel very alone. But I, I am definitely a social person but I, I quite like my own space as well and company. When I when my fiancé moved in with me, I thought that that would be a real struggle because I'm an only child and I lived alone for 11 years prior to him. And I, I said to him, maybe you can just spend one night away so we can just have some time apart. <laughs> That's never happened. <laughs> but but I, I was just sort of worried about how I'd go having to share. I, I find that really hard, having to mm-hmm. share my space and time with someone else. But it's been all right. Yeah. Well, that's cool because we all do need uh, – I think it doesn't matter whether you're intro or extrovert. We always need those moments where we can – ground ourselves and just find a moment, uh, whether that's a half a day a day in bed or, yeah. you know, just sort of five minutes to, to calm and think through that I'm like this and, and all, all whatever, shut mm-hmm. the noise out. Yep. So I, I can understand the dilemma. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's a big change as well. So, yeah. So I think, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm an introverted extrovert, but that's what lots of people say. How... I would imagine you've spoken about this with with your fiance, future yep. husband. Um, how does he feel about marrying um, Carly the advocate as much as Carly the person? Ah, oh, well, sometimes he gets recognised from my blog, and I mm-hmm. write a lot about him, or not that much actually. I, I write about him occasionally, but I always ask him if we can write 
um, if I can write about him. Um, sure. When I got engaged, I was overseas. I went overseas a few days after I got engaged. I went on my own because I'd already booked the ticket before I'd met him. And then he, he snapped me up before I left for overseas, I guess. Anyway, um, new idea was after my story and I was a bit apprehensive about it. And I said, oh, you can have it. I want to get paid for it, but I would like to write it. I'm a writer. I can write mm. a story. And I had to write it in third person, which was quite funny. Um, <laughs> and and then they made a bit a bit of a inspiration porn kind of headline, like Carly Findlay, the battler, gets engaged. Like I'm not an Aussie battler, you know. I haven't been on a current affair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I said to Adam, you know, do you mind? Are, are you okay about me writing about our engagement? And he said, yeah, go for it. Like if, if it pays for some of the wedding for sure. And um, <laughs> so the issue came out when I was away and he was carrying it around with him showing people. <laughs> it's very cute. He's That's very excited. Um, I think he he's very supportive of what I do and he also he comes to a lot of things like um, I'm involved in a performance troupe called Quippings here in Melbourne and he comes to a lot of those. And while I guess we're um, quite progressive disability advocates, he really supports what we do and he's gotten involved to the point of filming some of the sessions that we've done or shows that we've done rather. He's also worked at, on the front of house, you know, meeting Excellent. and greeting people. Yeah. So I think he, he likes it. But I am really mindful that he isn't, I guess not that I'm anywhere near famous, but he's not a public figure. So I'm mindful of that. I'm mindful of not oversharing. Um, mm -hmm. And I always ask him if I can put something up of him online or write about him. Yeah. Well, that, that's really uh, important, isn't it? It's clear that you care about him because you want to take into account his feelings about the public side of things too. Yeah. Yeah, he gets really excited when he gets recognised and um, <laughs> he was at Coles one day and I think I just had something published on Mamma Mia and the girls at Coles were like, oh, my gosh, I read your fiancé's article on Mamma Mia. And he was really excited about that. <laughs> he still That's talks excellent. about it. <laughs> What's your superpower, Carly? Oh, um. Probably shedding skin in one day, whereas you shed skin in like 28 days. Is that really a superpower or is that just a bit gross be. and inconvenient? Well, <laughs> um, as a snake, it's pretty good, but as a human, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, that's pretty That's pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know what my superpower is. Um, yeah, pretty. I think that's a pretty good superpower really. Um, I, a lot of people mistake my skin for um, microdermabrasion or some sort of facial mm -hmm. treatment. So I guess like I have a facial peel every day and I'm in my 30s, in my mid-30s even, and I still look quite like I'm in my early 20s. So that's useful. That is a superpower <laughs> girlfriend right there. <laughs> I don't need any Botox. I don't have any lines on my face and I don't get pimples. So I'm thinking my skin is my superpower. You don't get you don't get zits. No, because there's not enough oil produced. <laughs> Isn't that but amazing? you do get infections yeah. if you get cuts and stuff. So yeah. potato, potato. Yeah, but I'm so lucky with this. I mean, if I wanted to, I don't know, have eternal youth, be like Cher or someone, <laughs> I could be. <laughs> <laughs> Just be careful you don't go walking down the wrong road, you know, in, in – Turak or something, and some ladies are going, Oh, we must go see her man. <laughs> um, a lot of people, uh, people do ask me if I've had microdermabrasion. Maybe I should, uh, like, you know, recommend it or something. Like, you too can look like this. 
I'm a dude that doesn't understand much of that. Microdermabrasion, is that basically it. sandblasting? Yeah, I think it's that. I think I think they use something like a power tool on your face and then you come out yeah. with the red glow. I don't know. I don't I don't know. So um this might be a bit too much information, but I don't have body hair and because of my skin. And so my friends talk about going to the beautician and I'm like, What? You have hair there? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> You have hair there. There? Well, how does that even work? <laughs> That's, well, I, 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 from what you say and, and the nature of, of the condition that you have, that makes sense. Yeah. I um, mean, it's pre- it's a really convenient condition. Aside from the stares and the comments and the infections and the pain, <laughs> there's so many benefits to it. So many. <laughs> Revolutionising uh, makeup and beauty therapy, one Hair follicle at a time. I know. I mean, if I could bottle this gene and pass it on to people, they'd be taking it, wouldn't they? (laughs) (laughs) I think if we could maybe peel away some of the pain bits. Yeah, yeah. um, Maybe we could genetically modify it just just for the good bits. (laughs) Well, there is a real opportunity. Mm, Yes. (laughs) At, At the risk of asking the obvious question, Carly, what one thing would you change about your life today? Oh, well... I wouldn't change having ichthyosis, no. I don't want a cure for this condition. But I think the one thing that I would change is I I reckon I would probably have lived with my parents for a bit longer after starting full-time work because then I could have saved and not frittered away all my money on cheap clothes from Portman's and that I don't need and then I might have been able to buy a house, you know. I think that maybe. And that's not a regret. It's just – it's just the reality. Like I said, I grew up in a small town and wanted to move away and I couldn't, you know, it was either paying rent for many years or buying a house in Aubrey and I chose this. So I think, yeah, I think it's that really. I think you made a smart move. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't know whether I could have done all this writing and stuff there. I mean, I obviously could have written the stuff, but until recently, my parents still had the equivalent of dial-up internet and so now they've got the NBN, which is amazing. But like every time I went home, I was, you know, re- on really slow internet and it was really hard and um, I, I don't think I could have developed this online community from there. So I think I made Not a like decision. you have now. No. It would have been very slow. <laughs> it's amazing what the internet does I to uh, a little country town, huh? Yeah. It's not living Amazing. Oh, well, no, yeah. actually, they, they live about – 20 minutes out of Aubrey in a town that has about 300 people. So, yeah. And they have the NBN there. I live in suburban Brisbane and I don't have the NBN yet. Me neither. I don't have – I think the NBN is a suburb over from where I live, but um, it's not where I live. <laughs> oh, yeah. that would hurt. I know. It's hard. But um, I'm very pleased for my parents who have the NBN, but I don't think they're taking up any any Netflix or any subscriptions like that yet. I don't know. My dad watches soccer on um, like – Sky TV subscription or something via yes. the internet. So that's what he does, or football rather, because he's an Englishman. Um, so he, yeah, he watches that. But I don't, I, when I go home, I always feel really guilty that I might be using up too much of their data allowance. <laughs> Use it all, Carly. I don't, I think they're only, but it's really expensive. And I think they only get, you know, like 30 gigabyte a month or something because it's so expensive there. So I feel bad. <laughs> 30 gigabytes? You could download one third of the internet with that. <laughs> I remember I was saying to Adam when I had um, dial-up internet and we had wow. 100 megabytes a month <laughs> back in 1998 or 1999. Yeah, 
Nothing's have changed. My first internet experience, I was living on the central coast of New South Wales. Yeah. And there were local dial-up points of presence, but they were <laughs> more expensive than me dialing a Sydney point of presence for a large national, whoever they were. Wow. Um, however, A, that tied up my phone and B, I was getting charged long distance rates for the phone calls. Yes. Yes. That was the thing, wasn't it? We had a local number, I think, but it tied up the phone. So yeah, how things have changed in 15 years. And you tell kids that and they just don't understand. <laughs> no, I had to explain to some kids what a um, cassette tape was. It was quite funny. They didn't mm. understand. <laughs> here, here we are building stereotypes, one cassette tape mention at a time. <laughs> Carly, where is the line between public and private for you? Oh, well, I thought that I didn't talk about pubic hair, but that's clearly um, <laughs> gone out the window now. <laughs> well, you, you hadn't, but I'm sure people went there. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I was talking about this yesterday, actually. I've, I'm very open about my condition online mm. as a blogger and social media person, but I don't so much go into the gory details and I find it really hard when I see parents and it's mostly parents doing this of their children that have disabilities, um, particularly in closed or supposedly closed Facebook groups. And I'm mm. not very popular for having this opinion, but I think it's really important to let the child with a disability be um, informed and make an informed decision decision, and um, mm-hmm. give permission about how much of them is shared. And in the particular um, communities I belong to, I see a lot of parents who I guess are doing their very best and with good intentions, posting photos of their child's skin, um, their child at their worst, their child screaming in the bath. And I've been that child mm. and, you know, and, and I find that really hard to see and I hope that their child would never see that online, even though they're doing their very best and it's out of utter desperation, I'm sure. I find that that, 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 that there's a big line there that needs to be protected and I'm very much not about putting photos of my me at my worst online um, yep. because I want to preserve that dignity and privacy. I also don't talk about my day job either. Um, I think that that needs to be separate. And even to the point of my day job, I I have a media component of it and I've asked for my name not to be on any media release Mm -hmm. because I don't want someone Googling me and finding that I work here and I'm also online. Um, And I I also, I don't know, like like I said, I blog a lot about Adam, but I I ask him and there's things that I wouldn't write about. Um, You know, I wouldn't write about when we've had an argument. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I, I'd like to ask people permission about writing. Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't ever take a naked photo and put it on the internet. I thought what Rosie Waterland did recently with taking a naked photo and writing something about it was brave, but I think you can, she and others could prove a point about body diversity in a different way. And that's not me being a prude. That's me thinking for long term. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I, even though I have quite a public life, I'm quite um, private and I think that I've met some people who might not have been as impressed with me as they'd hoped, <laughs> maybe because they, they, you know, 
have a way of thinking about someone that they know online mm. and I haven't been that person or met their expectations in some way, but I, I think that I'm exactly the same online as I am offline. Yeah. It, it sounds like, Carly, that you have made some fairly firm and definite decisions around what you share and what you don't, and that's that's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um, were some of those made out of experience or you were lucky enough to have the foresight of I've seen this go bad for others? I think it's a bit of both really. I I was always really worried about how my photo would be misused on the internet and for a long time I never shared my photo. Um, mm. And then when I started blogging and, and I gained momentum and followers and or readers rather and, um, you know, media opportunities. And I, I realised that I'm going to use my face to my advantage when so much of the time it hasn't been that way, that, you know, my face was ridiculed or um, shut out or whatever or I was told in real life that it's great that someone that looks like me has got a job or whatever. Um, oh. And one of the things that I've always been worried about is my photo being misused. And a few years ago my photo was misused and I, I'm glad that I had the foresight to think of the types of photos I want out there mm-hmm. um, because the photo that was misused was a photo of me at a TV premiere. I just met Helen Mulvey and Roger Corsa from Rush, who were my absolute crushes, you know, <laughs> um, and I was really happy and I was holding a, a glass of champagne and someone had put that on Reddit and I woke up to about, 3,000 hits on my blog in a week that I hadn't actually blogged much and I wondered what that what that was and I looked at my statistics and all this traffic had come from Reddit and I wrote back, I, I replied to their comment. Um, my photo was on the What the F forum so mm. you could get, yep. And um, someone had just put my photo up and underneath the photo um, were about 200 at that time comments just ridiculing me. Um, the 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 comments were like, um, you know, she looks like something my dog vomited up. Um, what does her vagina look like? She should be killed with fire. And I responded to that immediately. And I, I didn't really think of the impact at the time. I didn't really think, I, I just, I wrote a Facebook status initially about what happened. And then I, um, converted that into a response for Reddit. And I said, yes, this is me. I'm leading a really good life. Here's my blog for more information. All of you were sitting in your bedrooms, you know, making fun of a stranger on the internet while I'd had a really good night out and, you know, was with the love of my life Mm. and you're just poking fun at someone you've never met. Um, And then that just turned the conversation right around and it was pretty amazing to see actually. Um, It made national and international news. The day uh, I wrote about it after I got home from work, I wrote about it for my blog. And the next morning I woke up to a tweet from CNN or a branch of CNN in America and they wanted to interview me for their radio show. And then um, at work it was a bit awkward. I had to field all these messages from people. I had News Limited and Mamma Mia asking me for interviews. I had the Daily Mail, who I said no to, but they did it anyway. And their readers were actually the nicest readers. Mm. Um, and then we went home for, for Christmas that night. Um, I went back to Aubrey and my friend texted me going, oh my God, Charlie Pickering's just mentioned you on the project. And that was really nice. And um, and it made, you know, the, it's a story that keeps on giving. I still get mentioned in international news even now. But I, it was it was a really interesting experience in that um, I realised I have no control over my image 
and you know as as much as the as much boundary as I set online I can't control what people do with my image and what people say about it mm. Carly I'm really glad that someone like you is someone like you thank you that that is an, a tremendous amount of strength in the face of some pretty horrid stuff honestly yeah looking back at it, it was really quite awful. It happened over Christmas time and it didn't just happen that one time. It happened three times on Reddit. And um, once the news about it had died down, no one really cared after that. But the, the second and third times I got death threats um, and I didn't know what to do. And, you know, when you're harassed down the street, you can call the police, but when you're harassed online, it's not the same. Yeah. Mum, mum and dad just said to me, you know, switch off. Um, but it's hard when you're an on, on, online writer. You can't just switch off. Well, that's where your stuff lives, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I I wouldn't recommend fighting back to people that don't have the strength to do it, that don't have the support to do it. Um, I'm really lucky in that I've got a lot of people that do write on the internet to support me, you know, like Pip Lincoln and Clem Ford and uh, people like that. But if people don't have the strength and the online support, the people that really understand how the internet works, I don't. I definitely don't recommend fighting back. Gosh, Carly, wow. <laughs> but I think one of the really important things is this has happened to a lot of people that I know, especially with ichthyosis, and I think it's really important that to, for, the, for those who it's happened to and when it happens to other people, we've got to stick together and we've got to speak out about it. Um, my friends had their photos misused on YouTube just recently and I wrote an open letter to YouTube, the CEO. I don't think it's reached the CEO, but it's on my blog. They know how I feel about it. Um, the, the video got taken down, but we have to keep speaking out about this stuff. you know. And Facebook, YouTube and Twitter are very good in it, but Facebook and YouTube just have to bear the responsibility of ensuring that this kind of bullying doesn't happen. And Reddit especially. Like I just can't believe that these moderators perpetuate that abuse. When... When the second lot of a second and third lot of abuse was happening to me, um, I approached the moderators and mm-hmm. privately they were apologetic and they were really saying that they're really sorry and and that I just have to you know rise above it. But publicly they were letting this happen, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just wrong. And if yeah, yeah. I guess for those that aren't as strong, you know, it, it could result in suicide, and that that's just not on. Yeah, very not on. Mm. Mm. Sorry, I brought the tone down. That's all right. Well, it's, it's <laughs> fair. This is the conversation. This is yeah. this where, and I wouldn't say that you brought it down, honestly, Carly. I think that's just a a really serious reality check for mm, it is. And I think people everyone. have to be really careful about what what the what kind of things they share online. They might think they're having a harmless joke by sharing a photo mocking someone, or but it, you know, for the person on the receiving end, it's real life. Yes, it is. Hmm. Very much so. Yes. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Well, I'm going to get married. Yeah, you um, are. Five weeks. <laughs> I don't know whether that's an achievement though. Like, I mean, it's, it's exciting, but I don't, you know, and it's certainly it's it's a wonderful thing, but I don't know whether it's, you know, like, yeah, I think it's I think it's as good as graduating from a degree, probably better mm. actually. It's a but, significant moment in your life. Yeah, I think it's a milestone. But I, I think actually just getting through the wedding planning is an achievement. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then building a successful marriage, right? Yes, that's right. That's right because it's not just about the day. It's about your lifetime. Um, also, I, I want to travel a bit more. We're going to go mm. overseas on a honeymoon. Um, I really want to keep writing. I want to start writing for some international publications. Um 
and I would like to be a guest on more podcasts, I think. But I think I have to really slow down. Last year was so busy and it was so ridiculous and I don't feel like I had any rest. And this year I think I have to say no to a few things. That might be an achievement, saying no. Mm, I hear that. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) It's tough for for people-pleasing advocates. I know. It's really hard. And and then these stupid situations just present themselves and then you have to, you know, fight about them. And so there's really no rest. I mean, I don't have to fight, but, you know, I think if you don't speak up about it, then that's... I think think there's something inside you, Carly, that says you have to fight and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a bit tiring, but it's pretty. Yeah, it's it's good. We I don't know whether you saw, but um, some friends and I recently did a, a little parody of inspiration porn. Inspiration porn is the objectification of people with disabilities, not real porn. Otherwise um, known as Woman's Day and New Idea every other week. Yeah, that's right. So it's things like, um, you know, oh, count yourself lucky that you aren't born with one leg sort of thing, um, you know. Mm-hmm the only disability in life's a bad attitude, that kind of thing. So anyway, we made fake books um, of our biographies and mine's called Fashion Angel. And um, <laughs> and um, I made up a quote from Vogue magazine. Actually, Vogue magazine gave me the quote. Um, they didn't really. And it was just about, it, it's kind of just, you know, taking the piss about how people with disabilities are represented. I, I kind of want to do a bit more of that. I want to I want to shake things up a bit and be a bit more humorous in showing this and calling this stuff out. Excellent. Hmm. That's really awesome. Hey, Carly, thank you so much for sharing what you have today. It's been very, very special, such a wonderful conversation, uh, and you're highly valued. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely delightful to speak with you. Obviously, you're on the Twitter. Yep, I am. other social accounts that you want people to know about? Yes, I have a blog and it's carlyfindlay.blogspot.com. I also have Facebook and I have Instagram, which I use a lot. I love Instagram for um, connecting with other people with ichthyosis. Using the hashtag is excellent for that purpose. Hmm. I can imagine. Yeah, it's good. I have a YouTube as well, but I don't often post stuff to it, but I should. Maybe next year. It can be high maintenance, right? Yeah, I don't like the editing stuff. Who does? That's why I podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been fun. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. This has been Humans of Twitter. And I can confirm that at Carly Findlay is indeed 